What is the cloud? It's not just pie in the sky anymore. SAP presents In the Cloud with Game Changers with your host, Bonnie D. Graham. Are you in the cloud yet? If you are, do you know how to maximize its potential? Get ready for an hour of innovations and innovators who will explain how they are using the cloud. Find out how to make it work for you or work more effectively for you. Now, here's Bonnie D. Graham. Okay, cloud buzzword or buzz phrase of the day, pass, P, small a, small a, capital S, platform as a service. With so many so-called best-of-breed software solutions floating around out there, sometimes it feels like we're back in the good old siloed 90s. Those of you in tech know what that is, and we'll talk more with my guests about it. But industry futurists, those people who can see into a crystal ball, say that pass can tie them all together. So are you ready to boost your company's status from mere Mortal best in class. I love how that sounds. Mere mortal best in class to first mover advantage and even beyond. Our experts have something to say about this. Here are these quotes. A little cryptic and we're going to learn more. Chris Horak is going to tell us why technology is king, but content is King Kong. Great quote. We'll hear from Chris in a minute. Frank Scavo says, you don't get a pass just because you're sass. Love the poetry in there. We'll talk to Frank in a minute. And John Reed says, it's not about product suites. It's about the platform. And that's what the P and Pass is. So join us for the next hour for their in-depth insights on Cloud 3.0. Is it all in the past? I love that. Welcome to In the Cloud with Game Changers. We're live at September 27th, last I checked, 2012. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. Very happy to be here. And now it's time to introduce my three very special panelists. And we're looking forward to a great conversation. First, I'm going to introduce you to Christian. He lets me call him Chris because I've known him for a while. Chris Horak. He's the Global Head of Solution Marketing for SAP Business by Design. Chris is responsible for providing and driving solution positioning and messaging and thought leadership programs across geographies, industries, routes to market for the overall by design and on-demand portfolio. Welcome, Chris. How are you today? I'm great. Glad to be here. Thanks, Bonnie. Thank you very much. Finally, we get you on the show. This is episode number 21, and I'm thrilled to have you on board. So thank you, Chris. And Frank Scavo is VP and Principal Analyst at Constellation Constellation Research, Inc., focusing on IT strategy, IT management metrics, enterprise applications, and business process improvement. Welcome, Frank Scavo. How are you today? I'm good. Glad to be here. Thank you. Thank you. Where are you calling from, by the way? Uh, Southern California. Okay, good place to be. And John Reed is an SAP mentor and independent analyst. He blogs and video casts on enterprise market trends, and you can see him at com. A little plug for you there. How are you, John Reed? Doing good, even better after your plug, man. Uh, checks in the mail, oh. honey. <laughs> oh, honey, that's fine. I hope you got some sleep. You've been traveling. It's been hard to get a hold of you, but we're delighted that you fit us into your schedule. So thank you, John. So it's time now to decode these quotes from my guests. I love the quotes because I get to ask a lot of questions. So let's start off with Chris Horak. And Chris, where are you calling from today, by I'm the way? I'm from Waldorf, Germany. Wonderful. Glad to have you all the way from there. Chris says, technology is king, content is King Kong. Talk to me, Chris Horak. What meanest you by that? Okay, what I mean is like we always get lost in the weeds a little bit. We talk about technology all day long, new acronyms, Ruby on this, Java that. And what I'm saying is like that's all great, but at the end of the day, we're talking about running businesses. It's not just about fun and games. It's not just about angry birds. It's about angry CEOs, right, that want to get stuff done. (laughs) And I think what I want to do today is talk a little bit about the aspects of a platform 
as much as about the technology and where it runs and whether it's scalable or not and multi-tenant or not, but it's like, where is the content? Where are those business processes, the rules, the agreements, the governance, the compliance, the stuff that really makes stuff run in the long term? Because nobody really likes their system to go down or to be non-compliant. So I want to sort of keep it, keep it real on the, uh, on the platform side when it comes to content that makes things go well. So that's where I think content is King Kong. I love it. I love it. And Chris, I have a question for you. You said angry. Well, you mentioned Angry Birds. Everybody knows that game. But CEOs are angry. Why are the CEOs angry? Give me a little I more think, here. I think they're angry because, I mean, we throw a lot of technology at them all day long. We try to sort of outbuzz each other in the marketplace, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, I've got this new thing, this new that. And we have to bring it back to reality. What does this really do? What's the business benefit here? And, and I think uh, if you took away all these fancy terms, cloud, SaaS, pass, whatever, we'd still be talking about the Internet, we're still talking about mm-hmm. doing stuff on it, and whether you want to buy stuff or sell stuff, you want to manage it, you want to enable people to be more productive. I think they'd like us better if we if we took those buzzwords away from them and talked about business value. Getting real in the cloud, getting real on the internet. I like that. And that's, Chris, that's the reason we have in the cloud with Game Changers and we have Coffee Break with Game Changers, our other show, as you know, because we want to dissect the terminology and the buzz and all the hoop-de-doo and get it down to real terms so people know what in the heck to do to make their companies work better, figure out what kind of solutions and strategies. So thank you for that reality check, Chris Horak. Let's turn to Frank Scavo. You don't get a pass just because you're SAS, S-A-A-S. Frank, I love the poetry. Talk to me. What do you mean? Who's getting or not getting the pass, and who's sass? Tell me. Right, right. Well, you know, I, I really have that, uh, that that slogan in, in, in two aspects here. Uh, one is you don't get a pass, you know, P-A-S, just because you're SaaS. You know, you may be using a SaaS application, but you may not have uh, a platform as a service to go along with it. So that's very much along the lines of the show today. But the other way I use it is, uh, you know, you don't get a pass, P-A-S-S, just mm-hmm. because you're And in, in this case, um, you know, I'm, I'm referring to what I call, you know, vendors behaving badly, right? So, um, you know, traditional providers of enterprise software um, I've dealt for, with for many years as a representative of buyers, and I advise mm-hmm. buyers and, and uh, CIOs and end users on, uh, on their technology decisions. And, uh, you know, many times we see bad behavior from, from software vendors. And that also applies to the new vendors, the vendors that are cloud only. Um, so my saying, you don't get a pass just because you're SaaS, means if you're behaving badly, I don't care who you are or how modern your technology is, I'm going to call you out on it. So be aware. Be aware. Okay, we'll touch base with you more later in the show, and let's turn to John Reed. John, are you sleepy or are you all wide awake for us today? I'm all jacked up on caffeine. I'm ready to go. Let's do that's this. For, <laughs> that's, that's what we talk about on the other show, the Coffee Break Show. I asked my guests, what are you drinking today? Maybe we'll go back if we have time and, and do that. So you say it's not about product suites. It's about the platform. Tell me what you mean. Which platform, what platform, and who's got it? Okay, so part of what I'm getting at is that I think that vendors are faced with an enormous challenge, software vendors, and I don't think they can necessarily build their way out of it by themselves. And at its best, a platform can help you to build an ecosystem around your product so that you don't have to solve all, try to solve all your customers' problems on your own. And that's something I feel pretty strongly about. And I do think that Chris Horak is absolutely correct that, that CEOs are – are angry as well about 
some of the return on investment they've had. I can comment more on that if you'd like. That'd be great. Yeah. Okay. Go ahead. We have a little time. Well, well, I think a couple of the big issues are that large enterprises have invested a lot of money in software over the years, client-server-based software, and they've accumulated a lot of custom development, and it's resulted in technical debt. And where Frank's point comes in around vendors behaving badly is selling stuff that folks don't really need or install over-installing, and you talk to IT folks who are bogged down in maintenance, and that's not cutting edge. They want to be agile. And I think where platforms can come in is to help companies plug in quickly the functionality they need without having to uh, over-customize their code base and get frustrated with that legacy that they get stuck with. And that's exciting to me, but then at the same time, we have to be a little careful because you start talking about past and a lot of customers, their eyes glaze over. So you have to figure out exactly as Chris was saying, how do you talk about this in business terms, not in wonky helicopter tech terms? It's, it's right. like, isn't it about choice at the end of the day? It's like, can I choose something else if I don't like what I just bought or parts of it? Absolutely. Right. Well, let's talk a little bit. I want to level set. We actually have a little extra time here, a lot of time left on our first segment. We're usually tighter. So let, let's dive into the title of the show today is Cloud 3.0. Why don't, why doesn't somebody, uh, I'll open this up to the whole panel and we'll start our roundtable early. Who would like to tell us what Cloud 3.0 is? What does it come after? What's coming next? What is the significance of 3.0 in, in real terms? Where do we come from? Where are we going? How long will we be at 3.0? Anybody? Chris, you hey, want to jump in? Bonnie, uh, Frank Scavo here. Yeah, Frank, go ahead. Yeah, it did occur to me that we started the show talking about pass and platform as a service, but I'm not sure we've even defined what that means. We haven't. We haven't. The audience is listening here and hasn't heard this term before. Let me just give a quick uh, definition. You read my mind, Frank. I was going to ask for some level setting. And just a case in point, on almost every cloud show, we try to define the terms and all right. the cute little, cute little acronyms. So go ahead and, but I still want to go to what 3.0 is. So talk to me, do pass, and then we'll talk about the rest. Go ahead. Sure. You know, so basically, um, you know, software has been traditionally deployed on premises. And in a simple, you know, simple definition, software as a service or SaaS just refers to deploying applications over the internet or in the cloud, right? So most mm-hmm. people understand what that means. Platform as a service takes that a step farther. So we use cloud technology or internet technology not only to host or deploy your applications, but also to, to let that serve as your development environment. So instead of developing applications on your local you know, personal computer or your local network uh, server, you use the internet platform, the cloud platform, as a platform for software development. And that's either to develop new applications or very often to extend those SaaS applications that you've purchased through a SaaS provider. So that's basically kind of the next generation of where cloud applications are going is into platform as a service development. Okay, sounds good. And where do we get the 3.0 from? Who wants to help me with that? I really don't know where that came from. This is Chris speaking, but I think this industry is like a fashion industry. Like this year's mauve is next year's turquoise, whatever. I mean, oh. somebody's going to always uh, upgrade from three-letter acronyms to four-letter acronyms or go from three to four because it's, it's a fashion business. I don't know if it's three or four or five. But I think the technology is advancing so fast, it's breakneck speed, right? You can't just sit still and assume that somebody's going to standardize it all for you and give you just one development environment and, like, one way to do things. And I think what this should be is, like, this is, like, pass 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. 
because it's moving really fast. And the question really I have in my mind, how do you get to what Frank said, the stabilization, uh, a development mm-hmm. environment you can really use, you can really be productive in, so these, these CEOs can say, this is cool, I can, I can actually extend this now. I bought something, I invested, I spent a lot of money, but now I want to reap the benefits. I want to plug some new things in, put things together. Who's, who's the player out there that will guarantee that to me with all this breakneck innovation coming at me? Okay, I have a question for all of you. Cloud maturity, this is something I've seen over and over from my guests on this series. By the way, this is the 21st show, so we've talked a lot about the cloud the past few months. Cloud maturity, uh, the question that, that the users, the buyers are supposed to ask is, is the cloud mature enough for my needs? So my question to all of you, we have just about two minutes left to this segment, is 3.0 in the scope, Chris, from 1.0 to 2 to 3, to all the way up to 10, wherever the heck this numbering system is going, where do you expect maturity will come when there is stability, when there is reliability, when people say, aha, this is really what I need? Are we there yet? I think it really depends. And maybe, John, you can help out here also commenting, Frank, from your perspective. I think some segments are fairly stable. Um, I mean, there are some applications like CRM have been out there for quite a long time, and people think know what they're doing. And there's other stuff, like talk about like financial systems in the cloud where you have a completely different financial supply chain, talking about microfinance, you know, treasury, globalization. It's probably not as advanced. And then there's areas that are moving so fast you can't even watch it, like gaming, right? It's like all these games come out and, and they change all the time where the user community is really engaged in building new maps, new scenarios, and the whole thing is all about just extending the thing. So the first game, like or World of Warcraft, whatever, it's a constant evolution. So I think it really depends on what industry you're in. But guys, help me out. What do you think? Well, I can just basically just – I don't really know Cloud 3.0 exactly, but I'll just define it as I would personally uh, define, choose to define it, which is I would view 1.0 as the, the VMware or Rackspace type of scenario where customers are figuring out how to virtualize certain tasks. I would view 2.0 as more of a SaaS environment where we know about discrete cloud apps and like CRM or HCM that have made a lot of noise. Um, and I would describe 3.0 as where we're headed, where we're starting to think about customers thinking, hey, I don't just want to buy an app. I want to buy what you would think of as an ecosystem, which would mean not just a, a big app, but a bunch of little apps that I can plug in or maybe even easily build myself. And that's a platform type of world, a passy world, if you, if you will accept the buzzword. Mm-hmm. And my view is that we're in a very early stage of maturity there. But, John, wouldn't you agree that this like in the mobile phone space, like with these smartphones, we're there? Is that your mobile phone now? I don't know. No, it certainly wasn't. <laughs> guys, uh, guys, you know what? Guys, I'm going to say, everybody take a deep breath. We're at the point of our first break. I'm Bonnie D. Graham in the cloud with Game Changers, and my three Game Changers today are Chris Horak, Frank Scavo, John Reed. We have a lot to say. We're exploring the definition of where in the world is cloud maturity? Are we stable? What segments? What's in it for your company? We're going to talk about companies of all sizes. What do you need? Is past the best place for you to be? We'll do some more level setting and definition, so when we come back, there's a lot more here on in the cloud with Game Changers. Justin, out. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Think you know SAP? Think again. SAP customers produce over 70% of the world's chocolate, more than 50% of the world's brand name jeans, over 72% of the world's beer, more than 86% of the world's athletic footwear, and over 65% of the world's televisions. Learn more at www.sap.com. 
Think you know SAP? Think again. SAP customers produce more than 52% of the world's movies, collect tolls for over 1.75 billion road miles traveled each year, and represent 80% of the companies on the Dow Jones Sustainability Index. SAP customers fly more than 1.1 billion of the world's passengers, courier over 50% of the world's packages, and manufacture over 77,000 automobiles a day. Learn more at www.sap.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are in the cloud with Game Changers, presented by SAP. If you have a question or comment for Bonnie or her guests, send an email to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. You can also tweet your comments to pound sign SAP Radio during the show. Now back to In the Cloud with Game Changers. And we're back, and we're going to pick up where we left off. My question was cloud maturity. Where are we in this spectrum? How far have we come? How far can we go? When will it be mature enough for companies of what size to use reliably, stably? Let's pick up with Frank Scavo. I know you had some comments to make on what Chris Horak and John Reed said just before the break. So go ahead, Frank Scavo. Right. So, um, you know, Chris had mentioned um, that the cloud maturity is rolled out farther in some industries than others. But, you know, I would step back and really define maturity in two ways. I I think from a technical standpoint, cloud is very mature. Uh, Many of the concerns about security and privacy that people expressed, uh, you know, early in the adoption of uh, cloud applications have really been addressed. And the cloud providers today, in my opinion, offer very high levels of security and privacy uh, late network latency, things like that, uh, scalability, those things have really been addressed. But but Chris is right. On the functionality side, um, you know, the on-premise vendors and the on-premise systems still in many industries, not all industries, but in a lot of industries still have much richer functionality. So there's a catch-up, uh, you know, stage we're going now through the SaaS uh, applications. And, and this mm-hmm. is where PaaS becomes very strategic because, with platform as a service, a customer can take an application that meets, you know, 80 or 90 percent of his needs or even less, and he can build out what I call that last mile of functionality using mm-hmm. the platform capabilities. So um, if you look at, you know, PaaS from that standpoint, it really becomes strategic to, um, you know, becoming a much more close functional fit for companies if they can easily adapt or modify or customize or extend that basic SaaS application using platform as a service. So, um, you know, I I have some statistics on this, actually, and I would say that the use of platform as a service in this way is still very much in the early adopter uh, Mm -hmm. stage. Um, In addition to my role at Constellation, I'm also the president of Computer Economics, and we do uh, an annual survey on technology trends. We just finished our one from 2012 and it shows that um, I have the numbers here. Approximately 40% of organizations worldwide have adopted some form of SaaS applications. But when he asked the same question about platform as a service, it's only about 5%. So um, most end-user organizations, if you ask them about PaaS, they probably don't know what you're talking about. And even those that have adopted SaaS, you know, assuming that all of these customers, these these 40% of customers, are also the um, include the pass adopters. That means only about one out of what one out of eight or one out of nine 
uh, customers that adopted software as a service are using some sort of platform as a service. So it's still very much a nascent, you know, early adopter uh, stage of the life right. cycle, in my opinion. Okay. Who I heard somebody else in the background. Somebody had a point here? Nope. Yes. No, I wanted to agree with Frankie. This is Chris speaking. I mean, it's, it's very early, but at the same time, we've seen this before. Before it was called PaaS, it was called middleware or platform or engines or whatever. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, the, the, the topic itself is not new. And I think we need to be differentiating between if you're a general purpose platform for anybody to go out there, sure, here's some APIs, just go at it, do whatever you want. Develop that next Angry Birds or develop the next ERP system. Here's a set of tools. That's one thing. And then there's other people who have special purpose ideas that say, we do one job really well. For example, we integrate between two different apps. If you want to put SAP and, 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 and Salesforce together, here's what we do. Right? These are special purpose platforms. And then there is what the application vendors themselves provide to extend their environment, which is what uh, I think John referred to as an ecosystem. And I think there's, there's different levels of maturity here. And then there's like when I'm in discussions, there's a lot of confusion where people ask one vendor to do the job of another, and, and no, nobody can do it all. It's, it's just very, very hard. Google is a platform. Microsoft's on the platform. Right. Like Apple is a platform with the whole mm-hmm. iPhone, iPad. And, and then, of course, everybody else has a platform as well. And if you want to put everything into one single box, make it the all-singing, all-dancing, all-perfect platform, Ooh. guess what? It ain't going to happen. So I think okay. we need to specialize. And my point of view is that, we need to make platform as a concept almost go away and really talk about this is about normal people making the system fit their needs. So they get something okay. and they like most of what they get, but they say, well, you know what, this aspect I really hate. I want to change that. And it should be as easy as reconfiguring some IKEA furniture or doing a plug for IKEA or, <laughs> or resetting the steering wheel in your car and making the seat fit or changing the, the dial on your radio station, which we don't want to do today, but... And I of think we're making it too complex because too many people are making too much money with complexity. And okay, I, I want to be to take that complexity timer. out and make normal I, people able to change stuff. I want to bring in a couple po- talking points I got from John Reed. Okay. John, John, I want you to comment. Number one, you say platform, in quotes, is just a pretentious way of saying, I think this was the comment Chris, Chris was referencing, building an apps ecosystem around your products. That's the first comment I want you to address. The second is, you say customers just want apps that solve business problems at the right price point, meaning the tech behind your cloud offering is less important than it is to fussy analysts. Are you a fussy analyst? <laughs> yeah, I am. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Depends on the time of the day, yeah. I would think. If the, yeah. if the shoe fits. Okay, so talk to me, John Reed. What is this about a pretentious platform? Is it, you, you didn't say pass. You said platform. The whole world is a, word is a pretentious way of saying building an apps ecosystem around your products. Talk to me about that. Right. So, so I think where we're not mature yet is we don't have enough uh, open platforms. And what customers are looking for, they don't want to be locked in but they want to either be able to build or quickly acquire apps that allow them to quickly make adjustments to where the market is heading or add industry solutions and content that they need. And vendors just can't keep their eyes on all these balls. So what they need to do is make things open enough that customers can choose where to apply their resources. The problem that we're having, I think, is that there is some tension here between vendor lock-in, which customers definitely do not want, 
and mm-hmm. in a total best of breed environment. And I call them the best of breed Krishnas, uh, but the evangelists who believe that customers just want to walk into the, you know, a store and just pick things off the shelf and, and then not worry about the integration challenges. I do think they want some vendor accountability around that. So what's going to be very interesting is to see how, what solutions emerge to those two tensions because I don't know if these guys agree, but I see some tensions between those two dynamics. I have some ideas on how they might be resolved. But one thing I, I do know is they won't get resolved if, if vendors are focused on offering proprietary environments. So just to give a sense of this, not mm-hmm. all platforms are really open. Some platforms are much more based on a vendor's particular toolkit. And I would argue in the long run, those proprietary platforms are not going to be the ones that customers adopt, but we will see how the market decides. Yeah, okay. well, there's the classic example of Apple versus Android here, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Expand on that, Chris. Well, you know, Apple, everybody loves it. I mean, I personally am not a big fan, but I can understand that people love this because it's easy and whatnot, but it's Apple stuff. You have to go it their way. On the other hand, you have Android, which has lots of hardware providers like HTC, Samsung, whatever, and they, they have this open system, but it's fragmented, right? It's, it's not everybody has the same idea of what they want to do. So you get the benefit of openness at the cost of fragmentation. There you mm-hmm. get a closed system. It's really tightly knit, but it's not as open, maybe not as flexible, but it really works really well. Right? They had a bit of a ding now with their Maps application, but I think that's yeah. to be expected. And, what, and Chris, where I think that analogy falls short a little bit is because I, I have a new droid, so I'm downloading apps, right? Some of the apps don't work. It doesn't really matter if my, uh, my, my iPhone doesn't download the right stuff or my Android doesn't download the app I want and it doesn't work right. My weather forecast doesn't come in. But when you're talking about tracking inventory or responding to a customer <laughs> issue, your app has to work. And so that's what's yes. going to have to get solved around these environments is it, open or closed is, is part of it, but it's also how how do customers get choice but also get the accountability they have expected from these applications in the past. Maybe Frank has an idea. but Yeah, yeah, totally agree. Well, Thank I don't you. know what the answer is, but I do know that it's a concern that, that I have and, and many other many others share. Uh, you know, I mean, we've always been concerned about vendor lock-in with, uh, you know, say SAP and Oracle and so on, you know, being strongly established as part of the customer's operating environment and being very difficult to migrate away from once they're building their business around it. Now, that was true for on-premises systems. I mean, and you're going to really hate, you know, you know, cloud solutions because now – it's not just a matter of buying software. I mean, you've got your actual operating environment in that vendor's cloud. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, in a sense, you're in a much more position of dependency upon yeah. that vendor than you ever were with licensed software, that at least you had control of the operating environment. So I think John is right here, that, you know, how to solve this vendor lock-in problem. I mean, you could put everything on, you know, Amazon's cloud, and then you could pick it up and move it somewhere else because it's just an infrastructure. But when you're talking about applications and now a development environment where everything depends on that vendor, you got to ask: Do you really want to have that much, you know, give up that much negotiating power to the to the vendor? And um, you know, the most popular platform for PaaS right now is Salesforce uh, platform, but that's written and you know, I think John may be alluding to it. You know, that's that's a proprietary language. Looks very much like Java, but it's uh, you know, Salesforce Apex language. Mm-hmm. So you know, the whole you've kind of cast your whole lot there. Um, and so far, for many customers, it's working very, very well. Um, but, you know, I would much, from a purist standpoint, I'd much rather see an open language, you know, that, that I could pick up and port to some other platform. Yeah. Well, Frank, okay, guys. What, what, Frank, I think what was interesting about that is that it, at this year's Dreamforce, 
Salesforce emphasized the Heroku Enterprise for Java and right. basically seem to be responding to some of that by looking at how they right. can emphasize more the open side of their platform. And that's I really right. do believe that that's part of the solution. The rest of it I can share later. Yep. Okay, now I want to take, I want to level set again here. We've done some definitions in the beginning of the show and I want to talk about this, a C word we've used and the word is customer. We're talking about whoever is making the decision. Chris, we talked about angry CEOs. That's another C word. Well, we need to talk about whom we're addressing. We talked about the vendors. We talked about vendor lock-in, but we haven't said what size company is going to look at PaaS and SaaS and all of these acronyms, who's going to put their trust into a cloud vendor. We have about a minute and a half left in this segment, so let me just introduce a talking point here I got from one of you. I think it was from uh, John Reed in your sleep. You said to me, large enterprise, mid-market. I didn't mean that to come out the wrong way. Large enterprise, mid-market, and SME cloud needs are different, and I will tell all three of my wonderful panelists that we have an audience, a vast audience out there listening to us globally. We don't know what size company they're with. And it's my goal as the moderator of this show to make sure nobody clicks off. Chris, we don't want anybody closing that app or that mouse or that dial, right? And saying, well, they're talking about the big guys. That's not me. Well, there might be some really creative entrepreneurs there. I had a show a couple months, a couple weeks ago with uh, three startups. And the three startups have been in business a total of eight years. And they are doing business and providing services to some of the biggest corporations in the world, right out of the box, right out of the get-go. You know what? We have one minute left. So I'm going to ask one of you to just comment on, give me an answer, pass, what size company is it for? Then we're going to go to break. When we come back, we'll explore how cloud works for different size companies. So who wants to tell me right now, pass, what size company is most interested? I need a one-word answer from somebody. I, I give you an answer, this is Chris. Size does not matter. Ah, I love you. Okay, we're going to go to break early then. Chris, I'm still still grappling with, grappling with that one all these years. We're listening to, we're listening, we are in the cloud with Game Changers discombobulated here, but happy to be with Chris Horak, Frank Scavo, and John Reed. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. I'm still Bonnie, and we're going to take our second break at the halfway point. Don't forget to come back and don't even touch that app. That's in honor of Greg Chase. He says, don't touch the app. We'll be right back. Justin, out. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Think you know SAP? Think again. SAP customers produce more than 52% of the world's movies, collect tolls for over 1.75 billion road miles traveled each year, and represent 80% of the companies on the Dow Jones Sustainability Index. SAP customers fly more than 1.1 billion of the world's passengers, courier over 50% of the world's packages, and manufacture over 77,000 automobiles a day. Learn more at www.sap.com. Think you know SAP? Think again. SAP customers produce over 70% of the world's chocolate, more than 50% of the world's brand name jeans, over 72% of the world's beer, more than 86% of the world's athletic footwear, and over 65% of the world's televisions. Learn more at www.sap.com. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. In the Cloud with Game Changers, presented by SAP. If you have a question or comment for Bonnie or her guests, send an email to bonnie.d 
sapgram at sap.com. You can also tweet your comments to pound sign SAP Radio during the show. Now back to In the Cloud with Game Changers. Yes, we are definitely in the cloud with Game Changers. I'm Bonnie D. Graham talking to Chris Horak, John Reed, Frank Scavo. I changed the order of their names to throw them off balance a little bit. Chris Horak, let's talk about, you said size doesn't matter. What size company, and I'll start that question again, what size company would benefit most from and start with either the cloud, cloud 3.0 or pass, and what do you mean by size doesn't matter? Talk to me, Chris. What I mean is like it's a very misleading term because what's a small company in the U.S. is a large company in Lithuania. And, and what happens as a, as a growth, growth thing in Germany is, is nothing compared to India where things grow like 400% a year. I think it's more about what you want to do. If you're an end user, you want very simple tools that let you change the environment to something that you like. But maybe you're a professional developer. That professional developer can be a one-man person somewhere in China building that mission-critical add-on to, to something that really makes a big difference to a large corporation. They can do that using a platform as a service. It could be a value-added reseller who sells stuff, but they want to differentiate their offering, building better analytics, you know, doing more supply chain integration stuff. It could be a professional independent software developer who wants the next big startup. They want to be the next Twitter, the next Facebook, whatever. So you can't do it by size. It's by what you're trying to accomplish. And I think what we need to go to is get, get platforms that do justice to all these different use cases, get the end user in there so they can modify the system to fit their needs, support resellers so they can differentiate and leverage their closeness to the customer, their industry knowledge so they know what they're talking about when they're talking to the CEO about their business, not about technology, mm-hmm. but also get something for ISVs, independent software vendors, who are the pros and they want to always use the latest engine, the latest API, the latest hot stuff, because they want to go public. They want to do something really cool. And you can't just say size is the, is the denominator. It isn't. Okay, maybe we well, want company maturity. Go ahead. Who's that? Yeah, Frank? Frank here. Frank Scavo. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I agree that uh, PASS, uh, platform as a service can be uh, very high value for all size companies. So from that standpoint, I you know I agree with Chris. I, I, but I disagree that the use case is the same in small, mid-size, and large companies. So my observation is that among small businesses, and this I'm talking about maybe less than 100 employees, mm-hmm. um, there are cases today where I've seen them go 100% platform as a service. Now, you ah. would never see that in a Fortune 500 company. That would just not happen today. So, you know, if PASS is a disruptive technology, we know that, you know, according to Clayton Christensen, these generally start in the, you know, lower end of business, and these solutions then mature and become more uh, applicable to larger companies. So it's not surprising to see small businesses in some cases adopt platform as a service and software as a service 100% across the board. And I've got one customer right now that's doing that. He's gone completely. He started with uh, Salesforce. Uh, CRM, and uh, he was ready for a new, uh, you know, accounting system and uh, kind of, uh, you know, some ERP functionality. And he said, "I just want to put all this in the cloud. I don't want any servers in here." And they are doing uh, development um, now um, in the cloud as well, along with the new uh, ERP system that they've a uh, cloud ERP system. With larger companies, I think what you're going to see, what you do see, is a combination. You see them perhaps standardize. You know, on on uh, you know a CRM system and use that platform as a service. They will also have a combination, perhaps, of you know a talent management system, another vendor, and maybe may using platform there as well. They may be doing some Heroku development, like uh, you know, like John mentioned, and then they got a bunch of on-premise systems and legacy systems that they still have to do traditional development on. 
So, and they could have a combination of those. And I think what you're going to see ultimately is situations and use cases where there are platforms that allow customers to bridge across all of those, you know, cloud and legacy development environments and provide, you know, much, much stronger and better integration. I know SAT is moving in this direction. This could be expected with the large install base that, that right. it has. Mm-hmm. So I think we're just early in the beginnings of seeing, you know, what can happen, you know, in the large company space. Then as far as mid-sized companies go, I think they're going to be obviously somewhere in between. You're going to have some that have relatively straightforward development needs and, and may see the value in moving everything to the cloud Especially my note, my noticing in the mid-sized market, especially if they're technology related. So if they have something to do with, say, uh, you know, system integration or consulting services or even uh, technology products and services, they're more likely to go that way than if they're kind of a traditional, you know, product-based, you know, yep. brick-and-mortar business. So thank you, Frank. I want to get John in the middle. John Reed, I want to get you into this discussion. Size. What do you think? Is it the size of the company? Is it the maturity? Is it the vision? Who decides? Well, I, there's, it's hard to boil it down into one uh, because mm-hmm. some of it pertains to whether the company perceives IT as an internal competitive advantage and how they're going to use cloud or not for that for developing apps. But what I would say, I would largely agree with Frank that I kind of, I sort of divide the market into three categories to simplify this a little bit. And mm-hmm. I do think SME, mid-market, and large enterprise look at, at cloud differently right now. Uh, I think Frank summarized perfectly what the large enterprise is dealing with with the hybrid environments. With small inter- enterprises, what can be extremely powerful, and this ties into Chris's point as well, is you can literally have solutions that, that uh, you don't even need an IT department. You can focus on what you're right. good at. You might have mm-hmm. a go-to-market solution for a particular industry you know really well. You worked in the airline industry for 20 years. You have an add-on. You don't want to worry about product development. You have a service you want to take to market. Cloud can be very powerful for that. And if you choose your solution right, it can grow with you. I mean, I talk, for example, with some by design customers who actually were smaller than what SAP endorses for by design. They were more like 10 employees, but they liked it because they knew they could grow to 500 on the, on the product. Mm-hmm. So you see some of that. In the mid-market, what you see is the potential to go all cloud, but it's not quite there yet. For example, in the SAP space, by design doesn't have everything that SAP's on-premise mid-market product has in terms of all-in-one. And where I think the gap is in the mid-market, and Frank, you may have a different view, but I think it's really more industry-specific solutions that are robust. I think that's what holds some of the mid-market players back from companies looking at at, at a cloud or a platform at this time. So, But I do think that's the way the mid-market is going to go, is cloud. So large enterprise is where all the heated debate comes in because that's where you have these really complicated landscapes and there aren't easy answers in the large enterprise Well, right now. and that's, yeah. that's also where the money is. <laughs> yeah. It's a lot okay. of money floating around in large IT organizations at the enterprise level. Yep. Now, let, let's, let's talk small. Uh, we had a show, we've had a couple of shows on um, the sweet and sour of making the deal, talking about the concept, the gleam in the eye, I like to call it. Uh, somebody has an idea for the greatest new solution, the greatest new product, the next widget, the next, I don't know, doorknob, whatever it is, and they need to attract investors. And we all know that competition is huge, and you really need to have an IT mindset, I believe, to really get that business plan right so that your investors, your VCs, your angels, your your bigger, small investors will say, wow, they're really smart. I think I can see them soaring up to the cloud and beyond in terms of of business success in terms of profitability. I want to be part of that. Here's my 
500,000 or my $10 million to help you. So who in a small organization today would be the one? Let's say it's a 10-person organization. I'm opening this up to anybody. Who would be the one to say, gee, pass, really sounds good to me? Would they know that? How do they learn that today? They, they who wants don't. to take I mean, it? Like, these, t- Chris. these guys typically work with a partner, somebody that okay. knows their industry, that's close, recently close by, has done other stuff for them maybe as well. Maybe they've done their Microsoft stuff. Maybe they're doing some things in the factory shore floor. I think that these smart companies don't have the wherewithal to hire all this IT staff, and that's why the mm-hmm. adoption is so strong. I think the difference is a large enterprise, and I totally agree with what Frank was saying. They're not going to adopt it as fast because they have a huge investment in consultants, business process engineers, IT staff who have uh, rejiggered the applications to the nth degree, all customized, right? And that's a lot of um, value. I mean, you can call it legacy, but call it legacy in a positive way in terms mm-hmm. of how Shakespeare left us a legacy of great plays. I mean, there is a lot of authors of great applications out there. They don't want to throw that know-how away. And until these business processes that are specifically tuned to a specific industry like manufacturing or consumer goods or high-tech, until we can offer them in the past, then they're not going to migrate because they don't want to redo all that development, that customization. I think that's what I said at the beginning. Technology is king and content is King Kong. It's great if you have cool apps running on an iPhone and they're all sexy and wonderful and they make notes and sounds. But at the end of the day, it comes down, can you do proper manufacturing controls? You know, what about Dunning in a complex environment, international trade laws, compliance? You're not going to just code that stuff because you just learned Ruby on Rails, right? Right. It's, 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 it's a lot of investment, and I think that's, that's the real challenge to make these platforms rich enough with content so you can actually mm-hmm. have these ISVs and these smaller companies leverage that. So we're talking about the flexibility or lack thereof of companies to decide what to do in the cloud based on the maturity and size of the companies, correct? Well, I think that is correct, and I would, I would go so far as to say uh, that, that for smaller companies, I think past can be a little less of a concern sometimes because the off-the-shelf cloud offerings available are a little more like rich for what what they need functionality wise. Pass becomes more and more urgent as you get to situations where the available software doesn't cover your needs, and that's mm-hmm. where you start to really want to be able to build. And that's why I think Pass is going to come to a head for larger enterprises first and trickle its way down. Which interestingly enough is opposite to how cloud adoption happened. At least that's how I see it. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. tell me something. It, IASS, IAAS, SAS, PASS, all of these acronyms, we started out doing some level setting at the beginning of the show and talking about what they really mean. Is there any comp, I'm asking this completely off the cuff, is there any competition among these different acronyms to outdo each other? In other words, maybe <laughs> in two, two years, will SAS be the king and somebody say, PASS, what? That's all in the past and they would really mean it. Uh, who, is, is somebody behind the scenes where you say, well, mine's gonna win, no, mine's gonna win. Uh, Chris, tell me about that. I think every vendor will take their specific perspective because if you have a hammer, everything starts looking like a nail, right? That's right. <laughs> so, so, so everybody goes after. So if you're renting out hardware, you're in the infrastructure as a service business. You're renting out hardware. Right? If you're renting out integration, you're in the integration as a service business, or you could call that platform. If you're renting mm-hmm. out developer resources, I guess you're in the platform business. If you're renting out business services like accounting or management accounting or financial reporting, then all of a sudden you're on the ERP as a service business. So all these are just terminologies and definitions that are confusing the heck out of people. Mm-hmm. It all moves well, towards simplification. I have a little bit different perspective on this. I, sure. I think there is competition between uh, these providers, um, and they are trying to encroach on one another. So, you know, you take infrastructure as a service. Basically, here's the market. It's Amazon and then everybody else. 
And because of Amazon scale and they're dropping prices, you know, multiple times a year just because of their scale, and it's very hard for anybody to compete with them on on a on a price basis. So mm-hmm. the other players must offer higher value services than just infrastructure. They've got to offer either software as a service or platform as a service. But then again, you see even Amazon, you know, is making moves into into those areas, especially in platform and and Red Hat, you know, as well. So. Um, you know, there's there's a there's a you know it's it's the wild west here. You know, these are all new providers and they're all fighting for mindshare and territory. So um, hard to say who's going to dominate in the future. Well, I would throw my hat in the ring with the people uh, when it comes to the application space that know how to build applications. If you're coming from the hardware space, don't want to mention any names here. And if you just mm. say, oh, I'm going to provide more value by providing these process libraries and this content, these apps. Well, good luck. Maybe they can acquire their way in. That's the way to do it. Well, I think customers are going to reject most of these acronyms, if not all of them anyway. <laughs> okay. I want you to hold that thought. I want you to hold that thought. We're up against the edge. We're at the break. Now, here's the chance you all have to make your final statements in the next segment. We're going to be coming back with the crystal ball. That's prediction time. So I'm going to ask Chris Horak, John Reed, Frank Scava to come back and tell me what will Cloud 3.0 or whatever number you want to call it, whatever flavor, color, or whatever it is, what will pass be like in 2017 or will we not be calling it that? I'm Bonnie D. Graham. This is In the Cloud with Game Changers. We'll be right back. Justin, out. Business community's first choice in Internet Talk Radio, Voice America Business Network. Think you know SAP? Think again. SAP customers produce over 70% of the world's chocolate, more than 50% of the world's brand name jeans, over 72% of the world's beer, more than 86% of the world's athletic footwear, and over 65% of the world's televisions. Learn more at www.sap.com. Think you know SAP? Think again. SAP customers produce more than 52% of the world's movies, collect tolls for over 1.75 billion road miles traveled each year, and represent 80% of the companies on the Dow Jones Sustainability Index. SAP customers fly more than 1.1 billion of the world's passengers, courier over 50% of the world's packages, and manufacture over 77,000 automobiles a day. Learn more at www.sap.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are in the cloud with Game Changers, presented by SAP. If you have a question or comment for Bonnie or her guests, send an email to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. You can also tweet your comments to pound sign SAP Radio during the show. Now back to In the Cloud with Game Changers. Sasson, here we are. I think uh, Chris had something about Plus Sasson's Plus LMM shows. We're going to ask Chris Horak to lead us off in the crystal ball segment. Chris, Cloud 3.0 or fill in the X what the number your favorite is. Will it all be in the past in 2017 or what year? Chris, what does your crystal ball tell you? Okay, I can give it a shot. I mean, I've been in this industry now for like 25 years, and I say the more things change, the more they stay the same. There you go. Um, it's a bit of a fashion industry. We like new things every year, and this industry will keep in innovating and stuff. But I think what's happening here with cloud 
is that cloud puts the heavy lifting of software development behind the curtain, if you will. It moves it off of the, the end user and all these IT organizations into, into, into a, a, a closed-off environment. And we as vendors have to deal with simplification. It's all about simplification. We don't want to reinvent the wheel every two years. It's silly. You know, you, wanna, you don't want to reinvent the general ledger every two years. That's just stupid, right? But we need to make it much, much easier for users, average Joes, if you will, to reprogram these mm-hmm. systems, or don't even talk about program, rejigger the systems, visual configuration, that the vision of visual, like just moving things around, you know, but that's what happened in the publishing industry in the 80s when things went to desktop publishing. You had like professionals that did all the editing and the layout and stuff. It was really expensive and slow to lay out a newspaper. Mm-hmm. Then you had desktop publishing and you had like any dude could do it. It looked horrible for a while. It was just a complete <laughs> mess. But now That's it's right. starting to stabilize. And my prediction is that this will lead to a system where people can go in and rejig a process and, and an application, and whether it's managing their finances or running a small business, very easily. And that has to be provided by really cool companies behind the curtain, if you will, in the cloud, if you want to say so, that make that mm-hmm. really easy. And I think the model here is the gaming industry. If you look how the gaming industry is evolving into engine companies, publishers, and small independent shops that leverage these engines to build these great games that then the publishers go to market with, but the engines are the ones that are really leveraging that. And I think that's where it's going. Look at the gaming industry, how it's evolving. It gives you a great crystal ball on where the software industry is going in general. Thank you, Chris. I want you to add on before we go to Frank Scavo for his predictions. Add on. Will we talking talking about SaaS and PaaS, and will we even use cloud in five years? Yes, no, Don't maybe. Think so no, not as much too fashion happy to to have anything go more than three four years away. What what will the shiny penny be called then in I five don't know. years? No, I'd be worth a lot more money if I knew that. <laughs> Okay, we're seeing the equity. Equity. By the way, I did say it in French. Plus ça change, plus ça la même chose. The more things change, right. the more they stay the same. There we go. Okay, Frank Scavo, lead into you. Predictions. Can you go out as far as 2017 or beyond or less, Frank? Well, you know, I can go out to 2017, and I'll just pick up on this last point on, on the terminology. I think the term pass or platform as a service in 2017 will no longer be used. And Why? the reason I say that is it's like remember the old term e business mm-hmm. 1999-2000 nobody calls it nobody calls it e business anymore they just call it business right so mm-hmm. i think in 2017 we won't be talking about SaaS and pass we'll just be talking about systems right yeah. so they happen to be delivered uh, by the cloud and, and these platforms today will evolve and mature to become much more powerful and, and user-friendly and we'll just use them, but it won't be uh, referred to uh, in that way. So um, in terms of adoption, I made uh, reference earlier that, you know, our research shows that only one in five SaaS adopters are really using platform as a service. They may not, and if they're using it, they may not even know that that's what it's called. I think that number will move to more than half by, by 2017. There's always going to be companies that simply will buy an application and use it and not need to tinker with it, but... I think uh, at least half of organizations will uh, will be adopting a platform as a service by 2017. Now, if I've got time, I wanted to go back to one uh, other point. Yes, that I, take it, another minute. Go ahead. Okay. I think that um, from an IT organization standpoint, I think platform as a service is very can be very disruptive and that there is going to be a new round of disintermediation of the IT organization relative to systems being developed and deployed in the business. We saw this when PCs first came out. 
Um, we saw it to some extent when, uh, you know, desk, you know, internet systems, uh, you know, were introduced. But I think, you know, today, my message to CIOs, if, if you hate access databases being deployed by your end users, you're really going to hate pass. Because <laughs> once these users find out that they can not only use web applications, but they can develop their own little systems and extensions and side systems, there's going to be an awful lot of software development going on among user organizations that the CIO is going to feel he's just losing control of. Yeah. Are we talking about Rogue here, or is that not under the Rogue banner? We're talking Rogue IT? It's going to reveal the um, relevance of the IT organizations. In some cases, it's going to be, you know, properly governed by a central body okay. which the CIO is part of. In other cases, if the CIO is not responsive, it's going to be rogue. Okay, thank you very much, Frank Scavo. John Reed, save the best for last, or last but not least, however you decide to <laughs> we'll do it, my dear. Done, right? <laughs> we certainly will. So give me your predictions. Can you go to 2017? Will we have pass and SAS? Will we have cloud, or what will be happening? You go. go. Yeah, let me go to 2017. Uh, Please. I'm a little torn between two different views. I'll give both of them to you. Mm-hmm. One is I, I do believe that the enterprise software market is going to go very similar to how the mobile phone market has worked where the winners and losers in mobile phone, Android, and iOS being the winners, and, and RIM and, and Nokia being the losers, unless Nokia hmm. makes a good Windows 8 play. It's all about the apps ecosystem. That's what's defined who's won and who's lost. I think that's going to happen to a large extent in the enterprise, along with, of course, the ability to not just you know buy an app, but, but you know build that last mile app that, that Frank's been talking about. Hmm. But on top of that, I'm a little hesitant to just go with that alone without also saying that if a vendor builds an apps ecosystem that is so proprietary that it can't communicate or integrate with other vendors and other platforms and other choices, then that's going to be a fail as well. So integration is going to be very important. So how is that going to work? I think the leading vendors that succeed are going to essentially create what you might think of as an enterprise cloud core in the cloud, which is a phrase that Sina Matamid came up with in a blog, but I think it makes sense. And Mm -hmm. and that would essentially be comprised of that vendor software, but also a a series of components, including integration components, that make it easy to integrate with open standards and make it easy for a developer to pull in, whether it's BI as a service or collaboration as a service, and basically get the most out of those flat platforms. Today, it's not the case, but five years from now, I'll just go out on a limb and say I think that's what's going to win. Okay. Will we be calling them cloud Krishnas in five years, John? Or who are, yeah. (laughs) I, I think it will just be the way of some stuff will be adopted and embraced and some stuff will be rejected and the evangelists and Krishnas will have moved on to some other cure-all solution that we can't even predict what it would be right now. <laughs> yeah, I agree with that. The f- fashion of the day. Okay, I have uh, two minutes till the end. I only need a minute and I'm going to make an announcement here. After October 1st, today is September 27th, after October 1st, all of our Game Changer shows will be on Wednesdays under the banner of Coffee Break with Game Changers. However, all of this wonderful cloud content, all 21 shows, shows will still be accessible on Voice America on the business channel as well as SAP Game Changers with an S, sapgamechangersradio.com. So if you're listening to my voice today or, or in the future, know that this show, we won't be having the In the Cloud show per se, but we will be covering cloud topics under one big banner called Coffee Break with Game Changers, of course, presented by SAP. Uh, Chris Horak, I'm going to give you 15 seconds. Give me a summary statement on cloud advice to anybody who's listening. Go, stay, buy, sell. What do you think? Quick, Quick one. 
I don't know. That's a hard one. Keep reading. A wrap up. Learn, learn a lot about it. It's the future. Okay, good. Uh, Frank Scavo, wrap up. One, one sentence on cloud. Advice. Great, op- great opportunity for small businesses, free market capitalism for new companies who want to develop new solutions for niche industries. I think it's a great thing. And uh, Beautiful. That's a long sentence. <laughs> John Reed, what's your closing sentence? Quick. Reject the vendor hype, but have the courage to innovate. There you go. And I have my predictions, but they're written down. Next Wednesday on Coffee Break with Game Changers, Wednesday, 8 a.m. Pacific, 11 Eastern. I'll be here live with you October 3rd. Wow, where did the year go? The future enterprise, big data, and social collide and converge. You don't want to miss that one. Great topic. And Wednesday, October 10th, how smart is BI without a strategy? It's such a big topic. We're coming back with part three. You better believe it. I want to do shout-outs to Patricia Harris, Malcolm Kimberlin, Greg Chase, the Business Channel team, and to my three wonderful guest Chris Horak, Frank Scavo, John Reed. Hope you had as much of a good time as we did. And here's my parting thought. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today. Have a great one. I'm Bonnie D. Graham for SAP Radio in the cloud with game changers. Bye-bye. Thank you again for being part of In the Cloud with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Please join Bonnie D. Graham again next Thursday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Business Channel. And be sure to tune in to our other program, Coffee Break with Game Changers, every Wednesday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern, also on the Business Channel. Between shows, visit us at www.sapgamechangersradio.com.